Hold on to your butt. I'm quite surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. I should have turned off the TV monitors for beginning the show. Right now I'm listening, or not listening, looking at, listening to myself and music I made years ago, but I was looking at Martha McCalla talk to uh, what I consider to be the smarmiest person in politics, Eric Swalwell. Thank God he's out of the presidential race. I don't think it's a wise policy to threaten to nuke half the population because they believe in the Second Amendment. I get it. The U.S. government has some massive, powerful weapons, but anyway, enough of the focus on the crap show up in Washington, D.C. and our ridiculous politics. Let's bring it a little local tonight. A little serious, but we'll have some fun as well. Joining the show again, good to see you again, Michael Fritz. Joey, good to be here. Glad to have you here, Michael, and thank you for reaching out on the program. Um, now, you, last time we talked, were running for mayor, but since then, you switch over to the House race for District 74, correct? That's correct. That race where all sorts of candidates were running happened, and you ended up second and in the runoff, which is August the 27th. Upcoming. That's correct. So... Lots happened since we last talked yeah. to one another. Well, it, it, it's been fun. First of all, I was in the mayor's race. I, I've had a passion to um, to serve, uh, be a public servant. And so I was in, and then uh, Dimitri passed away. Right. And Dimitri was about small business. And in my law practice, I do Chapter 11s and small business bankruptcies and individuals who own small businesses. And I have a real passion for those who want to get out there, put their their name on the dotted line, sign that personal guarantee yeah. with the banks, and say, I want to hire people. I want to create something. And I have a real passion for that and, and, a, and a camaraderie with those people. Having a law firm is a small um, business in and of itself. You have to yes. make payroll. You have to get rent. You have to get the copy machine. Um, there's a lot of things going on. But what affects them is the laws that are written in um, in the state house. And, right. you know, here's the weirdest thing. Everybody says, we don't need any more attorneys. We don't need any more attorneys. There's only 18 attorneys out of 140 legislators. And eight of those have never practiced law. Hmm. They just have a law degree. Right, right. And so what we have is we have all the laws that affect all the people, and there's very few attorneys. And with my 20-plus years of, of practicing law, I know when a law what a law will do as far as I always use the the easiest one is the must versus shall if a law says uh, a judge must or a judge shall right it makes such a huge difference 
if you've been in those situations... As opposed to a judge can. Uh, uh, yes. Right. Um, um, well, the shall means he has discretion. He or she has discretion. Mm-hmm. A must is uh, he has no discretion. Okay, right. And, and so those, if you read the, the law without those two words... Or, or use them interchangeably, they're not interchangeable. Well, and this is an issue I've, I've seen just from afar from this humble perch on talk radio when a bill uh, comes up and we get talking about it here on the airwaves. I've been astounded at times at how poorly crafted some of the bills can be. And, and they really, what I mean by poorly crafted is they're not paying attention to these details of not just the unintended consequences or intended consequences of a piece of legislation, but the details of the legal language um, and these sorts of things. Now, before we get back into what you want to do in the legislature, if you are to win on August 27th, I'm wondering, and by the way, we're also welcoming in Southern Wood. He's going to be joining me tonight, and I hope you don't mind, no, Michael. Not uh, at all. All sorts of questions. I know you've been dealing with the yeah. public. I don't know if you've been dealing with somebody like this joker, uh, but, uh, you know, we'll have fun tonight. Um, now, you mentioned Dimitri and un- his unfortunate passing. Did you know Dimitri very well? well? I didn't know him that well, mm-hmm. but I'm on the Lagoon Park bo- uh, Trail Board. Yeah. Uh, it's a volunteer organization that helps Lagoon Park Trail. And we met at his restaurant every month. Uh, we had our board meeting there, and we had some of our board members who knew him well. So about 10 times while I was on this board, I had meetings there, and he would come, and he would sit with us, tell us what was going on. He knew everything about the county. He knew everything about the state. And um, he probably, I was not in his inner circle, but I got the benefit of his knowledge. And in fact, uh, probably two weeks before he passed, I had spoken with him about getting into politics. He, he was the same as me, has never been in politics. And he made that decision later in life right. uh, to do that. And so he gave me some advice uh, on that. And, and he's like, oh, they're all going to lie to you. They're all <laughs> going to lie to you. Why do you want to do this? And uh, You can maybe trust your mother when yeah. she says, I'm going to vote for you, or like uh, your, your wife or something. But, you know, I've seen that, too. And actually, I've gotten into this point. I want to make this clear. Folks who know me well... Um, Charlotte Meadows and I, your your opponent in the runoff, uh, go way back. She was good friends with Mother Knew Me since I was a child. Helped change my diapers. Um, I just want to get that out there, though, because I do try to be, if I'm interviewing folks, very impartial. Charlotte will be on next week, and it's it's pretty straightforward. Wait, Char- you're having Charlotte on next week? Next week. I thought week. it was just us. Oh, yeah. I, but I thought, it, I thought we had a special relationship. No, but I'm even-handed no. like that. No, you know. it, what's funny I don't is, lie, though, Michael. What's funny is um, I make friends. <laughs> uh, my good friend um, Roger Schultz said, hey, a lot of people collect stuff. I collect friends. And from this race, I didn't know Charlotte, and... Um, so I reached out to her, and I went and toured Leeds Academy. Yeah. I thought she was great. And then my wife and her job had some extra tables, and they've actually purchased tables from my from uh, my wife's work. And and I got to spend eight hours with her twin sister uh, on Election Day, and I subscribed to, to their leadership forum. Right. Uh, with her. It, 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 I, I, I told Charlotte this, and I mean this. I am not anti-Charlotte. Yeah. I am pro-Montgomery. I am pro-Fritz agenda. And I, I tell people, the reason why that I want to do this 
is I really believe um, too much is given, too much is expected. I I rolled into Montgomery in 1990 with $50 in my pocket. Um, and I did have the GI Bill, but $50 <laughs> in my pocket to go to AUM. I worked all, all day and went to school at night. I have had the great pleasure of serving so many people in my law practice. If I sat at home now that we're empty nesters and watch all the shows on Netflix, I think it would be a waste for me not to get out there and use this wide variety of experience. I mean, I, I have uh, swamp loggers right now are my favorite uh, as my clients. I have I've had four or five hotels, convenience stores, uh, agricultural. Um, things a real a lot of real estate agents and developers that so i have a wide variety of experience sure. that i can go and help in the uh state house so hey southernwood can, can i ask a question of course i i, I would just it, i mean just one you said you're an empty nester yes you know we, joey why, and I, why do you not have Gray hair like I do. <laughs> Which, wait, I, what I, hair, Southernwood? Yes. I mean, I don't even have hair, much less black hair. How in the world do you become an empty nester and at your age? Oh, I, I'll How tell, old are you? I, um, I'm 48. And, and what's funny is... Holy jo- mackerel. Joey and I met through my son, yes. who's, who's 22. Hey, I'll tell you a funny story. And uh, we talk about this at Empty Nest. And I grew up in North Georgia up in the mountains. And I, when I was, when uh, my oldest son was born, I was 27. And all of my friends uh, thought, why are you waiting so late? You know, we have 10-year-olds. You know, we have 8-year-olds. Why are you waiting so late? So my wife grew up here and went to a private school here in town. And she was 25, only two years difference. And she, at 25, having her first child, all of her friends says, why are you wasting your life? You need, you have so much to live. You're having children so young. <laughs> and I'm like, it's two years difference in our uh, friends. So we weren't really young. We'd been married five years, and, and um, I was 27, and she was 22. But I have really been blessed uh, with to have all my hair, and uh, it's mostly dark. There's a couple of grays here, but... Um, yeah, it makes you, you look distinguished, but Michael. Thank you for noticing. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, no, it, no. And I, I have a question, though. Yeah. And I, I love the biography. I love the background. I think this is part of why you, you finished second. Like, you, this is your first go-around in politics. And, but I think it's from over the years of getting to know Montgomery. Like you said, you show up here with the GI Bill, $50 in your pocket. And you've made a life, a family, a career. Um, really a great success story. I'm sure there have been stumbles along the way. That's such as life. But um, I, I kind of want a general question at this yeah. point. When you look at, say, the Alabama legislature and the culture of politics here in Alabama, uh, number one, what is kind of your assessment from the outside looking in? And number two, why do you want to get involved with it? And what do you think you have to offer? I guess a three-part yeah. question there. I, I'll tell you the scariest thing about entering politics is the Mike Hubbard trial. Um, I don't know Mike Hubbard. Uh, I did get to meet Barry Moore, who's become one of my closest friends. And um, he went through this. And I I met Barry after the trial. And he's told me a lot about what happens and how things can turn on you quick with ethics. Things that you're in your private life 
doesn't matter that much. Right. And, and, and in your even in your business, um, let's take kickbacks for example. If 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 I go and help somebody with their um, legal case, and they want to send me a case of steaks, which any of my clients listening, you can send me a case of steaks. <laughs> um, there's not a problem with that. It, it's normal. If somebody um, says, hey, I have some information about the other side, as a, a, an attorney, I want to know that information. Well, when you get in the legislature, that's not always the case. You can't do those things. And, and so the, the ethics that are different are scary. Hmm. And, and we, we wonder where that line is crossed. And is it something that was pushed or something that pushed upon you? Uh, did you push the line or was it pushed upon you? Hmm. And those are things that scare me. And I talked to somebody about what, would, what has happened after the Mike Hubbard trial. And they said, you know what? The legislator is better because people that can get above that uh, can survive. Um, but Reed Ingram ha- is a great example. Is Reed um, just really takes ethics to the highest standard, and and he, he's just fabulous to to be around. Well, and he's managed as a small business owner yes. to um, to maintain his his place in the legislature. You, uh, one? I've got a question. Do you think there's an issue with the statewide ethics commission? Right. That they either don't have the power to enforce or they're too ambiguous on the way that they rule on what is an ethics violation. Right. And, What's and, your opinion on that? And, and, and I did not. I have not studied their rulings, so I I don't know. Um, there, it, it, to me, as just a, a, a commoner, they're all over the place. The lines, I mean, a bit they're blurry, everywhere. Way, yeah, it reminds me of the NFL with the domestic violence thing. That they're, you know, it, it, how do you come down on that when there's not a police? Um, when there's not a police um, report, or, report yeah. and just oh, somebody accuses you of that. So I, I I can't answer your question because I haven't studied enough. I studied the trials afterwards, uh, but those weren't those were put on by the U.S. attorneys or the um, attorney general. So it wasn't the same. So, getting back to the initial question I asked, you're you're a little scared or intimidated, whatever word you want to pick, by some of these ethics laws because I mean, in private life, this is not something you've ever had to deal with. Uh, if you were to win on August right. 27th, what do you think you would have to offer the legislature? What would be the Fritz way? Yeah. Well, f- the first thing I would do is I've heard that there is ethics schools. That you get that some of the associations uh, put on that walks ba- um, and judge legal worlds they call it baby judge school. Um, I will take notes and learn that uh, like I have bankruptcy law all over the years more than I have anything else because when I when I get in and I've studied the campaign finance laws um, mm-hmm. and and I helped Barry with some campaign finance laws like two years ago. Um, and so I understand that, but that's the first thing I would do. The second thing 
the thing that I think I have is reasonableness. And there's a couple of things that I think about reasonableness. Um, One, I'm not beholden to anybody. I've not been in the legislature. You know how they have inside jokes and they Mm -hmm. have, oh, what about this person? I don't know those. I've been stuck in federal court bankruptcy for years and don't know who this person is and who that person is and who his granddaddy is and all of that. Sure. So I'm not um, beholden to the old traditions. I have worked with people that have to come up with practical solutions and and that's what I've been doing. In a Chapter 11 reorganization plan, you have to help that person to say, you were doing X and it's not working. Sure. You need to do Y. And with different management, with selling off some equipment, with um, renegotiating loans, you can make a go at it. That's what I've had to do in a common sense manner. Negotiate with creditors, negotiate uh, with um, the uh, my clients about what they can cut back. And so that's the reasonableness, not the history and not the way politics has always been done, but the way that things get done. It, it, what I'm hearing, and I'll, I'll give it back to you, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, is that you're going to take a more pragmatic approach to any given issue that comes in front of you that said, is there a particular issue that you're, if you were to win, when you came in, is there a committee assignment you want? Is there a certain issue where you're like, this is what I really want to work on and I already have a pretty good opinion about it, even though I'm reasonable and I'll work with people? Yeah. Um, one is judiciary. I'd like to be on the ju- judiciary. Everybody wants to be on ways and means mm-hmm. and, and things like that. But um, judiciary, because there are so few attorneys. Uh, and being, I went through the 2005 ch- uh, rewrite of the bankruptcy code and, and how it's in, in, you know, in, uh, implemented. And so those are the things, and it's not a particular issue, it's clarity hmm. and it's reasonableness and it's understandableness. You know, what helps individuals in life is to know what the rule is and to be clear about it. And attorneys, if I know what the rule says and I know how it's going to be applied, I can give my clients better advice uh, and people can have better uh, can make better decisions if it's clear what those laws are. Um, in our house, we call it expectation management. Sure. If we know what's expected, it makes everything go a lot smoother. And so that though, that's the thing. Now, when we get down to actual laws, yeah. Um, the biggest I could ask anybody within a hundred miles of us, what's the two biggest issues? Crime and education. Um, I I got okay. Uh, some people think, well, Michael's not about education. Hmm. Let let me tell you a little bit about my history with education. Okay, is I teach class at AUM, uh, so I get people from the public schools, and I've been in the classroom. Uh, I spent ten years uh, teaching youth Bible study for um, high school kids. So I've been around them, not in the classroom. Uh, At First Baptist, we've tutored uh, public school kids, and I did that for two years. Uh, So 
I have some experience. I love to teach anything that I can uh, teach. Sure. Uh, I, I do that. But I think the most relevant is being a college professor in a school that gets mostly public school students. Uh, AUM, I mean, you can ask them. It's not a secret. Sure. Is they have the highest rate uh, of first-time um college students you know first time in their family college. first generation sure. first yeah thank you yeah. first generation and so and most of those are public school kids so uh, i know and so i talked to we had dinner with we had four teachers around and we had two college students and you know what we came up with is technology is over the top and everybody focuses on technology instead of learning hmm. and, and, I, and i'll tell you uh, what i mean by that is um if you've ever taken an online course have you have you joey i have yeah it's so easy because everything's a pdf and you hit search the search and you type in the name and what your what kids are missing is reading the text and comprehending Yes. Uh, it's the equivalent of an accountant not knowing what a formula means, just knowing I have to put this number in this cell and this number in that cell to get, and the formula's already done for me. And so I, I was talking to these teachers of varying uh, grades, and they said the reason why technology is so tough, uh, learning is so tough through technology, is because of the Internet. And so... You, they get all, they get all their um, papers. They're probably written off of Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, all their research comes from there. And then you have to schools that have internet access have to weed that out. And oh, you can't have this. You can't have this page. You can't. And then new pages and new students. Um, and my youngest son specifically said, all we did. And he went to St. James. It's no secret there. Uh, he went to St. James. All we did is find ways to get around the firewall. And what I have... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's true. Well, and everything you've said is, is true in my yeah. experience. And yeah. so, there, I think we should go back a little bit and mold some of the technology with um, real reading. And here's how you do it. The first generation nooks... Um, had no internet access. Right. And so what you did is you would have to... I'm using my hands. I use my hands to talk. Is you would actually plug up... <laughs> it was like me up there. Likewise. <laughs> we all use our hands <laughs> here in the studio. So you would actually plug up your Nook to your computer, and it would download those books that you had. So what you can do, instead of a, uh, a fourth grader having a backpack full of the big textbooks, they would each get an old-fashioned Nook Right, and they would go to their teacher, and they would plug in, and now they would have the nook and all of their books right there, and but they and so they could always use that in the classroom, but it wouldn't have internet access, so you wouldn't have to fight. Are they playing with right. their with their uh, with the internet? Are they cracking firewalls? Are they doing this? They are concentrated on learning the concept my my wife and I go back and forth she's about the grades and I'm about learning 
and she wants everybody to make high grades. I do, too, but I want people to learn and, and be able to uh, pick up concepts. Have you investigated how much it would cost to provide those nooks to every single child in the state of Alabama? No, no I haven't. But talking to people, uh, my wife does the um, right. She's the business manager at St. James. And mm-hmm. so she has um, the understanding of how much technology costs. Um, as everybody moves to technology, it is a lot cheaper, these wireless nooks. And, okay. and, I, and there's other brands, too, but that's just the one I'm Compared using. to, say, the current textbook Yeah, uh, A, system. compared to the uh, the textbook, and B, compared to a iPad hmm. um, with full fully functioning uh, Bluetooth and, and fast Internet speeds and, and things of the, this nature. Uh, the cost is really in getting the rights, which is the same as getting the rights to the textbook. Um, But I believe that without doing a real cost analysis, doing a general cost analysis, that this would be um, a a lot more efficient. And have you ever seen a a fourth grader with a backpack about to fall over with all the textbook? It's it's humorous to to an effect, but it it would be better for child safety as well. So, I mean, we got to hit a break here soon, Michael. Again, we're talking to Michael Fritz. He's running for his District 74. The runoff is August the 27th um, for the State House here. And, you know, one thing I'm hearing, Michael, and actually I, I appreciate it because I, I've listened and interviewed candidates that come in, they have all these big ideas, and I'm, I'm going to do this or that, all the hot button issues. And, and I've also talked to candidates like yourself. And what I'm hearing, and I think this is a good thing, not a bad thing, is that you're more going to go into the legislature if you went on August the 27th, and there's going to be a, a, a bit of a learning process. Like, how does this place actually work? How does, you know, the education budget work? What is your mark? What is the function of the state legislature in terms of, you know, what they can demand of these school boards locally um, on all sorts of other issues? I, it sounds like your bailiwick truly is the law and more judicial, and that's why you said the Judiciary Committee. But am I wrong in that in the sense that the first thing you're going to do there is sort of figure out the ropes? Like, yeah. how does this place work? Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, one of the, the most interesting things is, uh, as I was deciding to make a run, I, I sat down with uh, uh, Todd Strange. He was so gracious to, to do that. Um, the thing I'm, I'm concerned about the most is relationships, because they call it the, the Montgomery um, delegation. Mm-hmm. The Montgomery delegation, the city councilman, the um, county commissioners, the mayor, and the legislators, both st- uh, House and Senate, they get together and talk about things that affect Montgomery. And I think what I I have the most to offer is that trust mm-hmm. and relationships. And the the people know I care about them. We'll get to the rules of uh, you know uh, uh, the rules of the legislator, the the numbers and the budget. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to that, and we're going to get to it pretty quickly. But there is a learning curve, and you're right about that. But what I want to do is go in with reasonableness, caring, and relationships, and I think the rest will work itself out. Okay. Well, here we got to hit a break, folks. Once again, we're talking to Michael Fritz, candidate for District 74, the state house seat. Um, we'll be right back.
Joey Clark. Well, welcome back. And this is where we have to behave. Yes, this is where we have to behave because the mics are on, Southernwood. That's right. Don't can, make me can, use that paddle I no, gave you a year can, ago can, on you. We can misbehave during the commercial break, but we have to behave now. And again, our guest this evening is Michael Fritz. He's running for the State House, District 74. Runoff election is August the 27th. Um, I know how these things work. It's probably gonna be low turnout. These, you know, what, though the mayor's race is that day it's as well. It's the same day as the mayor's race. So that'll help. So. Give it, everybody a little PSA. Two things about voting. One, it might not be the same place you voted in the primary right. because they combine your city election with the state election, and they um, went to the city election. So Sturbridge w- Clubhouse was not even a voting site, but it will be in this city. So half the people walk and Sturbridge is is split half and half in District 74 and not. And so when you go in, half the people will get a ballot um, for um, District 74 and half won't. But you have to go to, and then, so that's the first thing. So and then you have to go to another table, v- voting table right. to get right. your yeah. Researcher precinct, folks. Exactly. Nobody, Secretary of State has a great page on that. But um, you won't have to go to two polling places. That's one thing. It, it might not be the one that was in your primary. And the other thing is, you have to ask to go to both. And uh, for any of you independents or Democrats out there, you can vote in the Republican primary. Um, only if you vote for Michael Fritz. Uh, no, no, you can vote because there's not a uh, Democratic primary, and there's uh, we're, we're in a state where you don't have to okay. be a registered open Republican. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and in a second, I want to get into sort of more my bailiwick, just general governing philosophy, how you you see government, how you want to approach government. But Southernwood, you said you had a question. Now, I, I, just just a simple question, just see what where your philosophy sits. What do you think about you know, in, in the state of Alabama, we have uh, a split budget. We have an education budget and then the general fund. You know, you've got those two. Do you support putting those two together and making them one, or would you like to keep them separate? Well, I, I'm not so... Um, I'm not so tied up in where it's earmarked. I'm tied up in... Is it going to be used responsibly? Um, I almost want to keep it earmarked, but I'm not tied to it um, to make sure that we're using things responsible. Uh, no matter if we're we're building roads or, or schools or or um, you know healthcare, I want it all used responsible. Uh, I, I think it does tie our hands up where you can't switch one to the other. But maybe if it did, we would. Um, uh, use that unwisely because we might have a surplus in one and 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 not in the other. So I'm not as concerned about the earmarking as I am for responsible use of the money. Okay, okay. Uh, fair enough. Now, general kind of philosophy when you look at government, and uh, you can use the labels and the buzzwords, all the, you know, say whatever you want. Um, but when you look at the purpose, the role of government, what do you think it is? Yeah. Um, it, it's so funny when we look at this because on a federal level, I want limited government. Uh, I'm a local government. But in local government, uh, 
I really believe, and I've taught my kids this and, and, and will preach this, most people want the exact same thing. They want quality roads. They want uh, uh, honest court system. They want protection from enemies. Um, they, they want jobs, you know, the, the inf- infrastructure for, to have jobs. These are things that Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, everybody wants these. The question is, how do we get there? Mm-hmm. And I am a state's rights. Um, I would like for the states and then down local to have more control over it. So if we're talking federal budget, I want a smaller federal budget. Uh, I want the feds. And I've, you know, it, it's, does someone in Washington, D.C. know what works in Walla Walla, Washington, and what works in, you know, Op, Alabama? Uh, what about New York City right. versus you know uh, Montgomery? Do, do all of these things have to work the same, or do the local people, um, state, county, city? I believe that they have a better grasp on what's important to them. So um, sometimes if it's a federal issue, I might say, no, we should never spend that money. But then if it gets to a a state or local, I might say, yeah, maybe we need to spend some money on that. What's your current sense of of just the state of Alabama? Like if you win, you'll be in the Alabama legislature. Uh, Do you think the Alabama legislature can do more? And I mean, do we need to... Cut spending, increase spending, cut taxes, raise taxes, these sorts of basic questions. I'm an optimist. And so um, I, I got to hear Tommy Tuberville today. He was in town for a Republican, and, yeah. and I thought he was going to tell football stories. And actually, I've got to meet him a couple times through this. And he said, my job, if I get to D.C., is to sell Alabama. We have um, a lot of open land, we have mountains, we have um, rivers, lakes, beach. I think we can do the same thing in the state house is sell Montgomery. You know, if you see any of my signs that says Montgomery proud, hmm. I am so proud to be in Montgomery because there's so much. Because I, There's a grass is greener uh, theory. Anybody from the city wishes they were out in the wide open country. And anybody from the country is like, there's nothing to do. I wish I lived in the city. And so you make the choice. If you look for good, you'll find good. If you look for bad, you'll find bad. So I want to be somebody who looks for the good in Montgomery and then spreads that to the big companies that might want to be here, Hmm. to technology, to the um, you know to the Air Force to the Army. I'm a lieutenant colonel in the Army Reserves. I spent a year in Germany um, in, in defending soldiers. So um, I understand what military families need, want, and what the the infrastructure that the um, the go- the military needs. So I want to take the assets that we have in Montgomery and enhance those and then be a salesman to get better jobs, higher paying jobs, you know, and keep the uh, Maxwell Gunner, 
uh, keep those. And even if we expand out to to um, Fort Rucker, you know, it's not in my district, but still, it's important to what we what we do. Well, let's go over a little bit of what the Alabama legislature has done say, in the last session. Well, and first they had that special session with the gas tax increase. Uh, initially, sulfur roads and bridges, it became more general infrastructure, the dredging the bay, and all sorts of other things going on. You know, what on that particular issue when that was going on, what were your thoughts on the yeah. gas tax? It, 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 it was funny because I, I'm in a Kiwanis club, and I feel like I'm more educated because every week we have a, somebody come to speak with us. Uh, the Association of County Commissioners came in and gave us a talk about the status of our roads and bridges throughout the state and it was dismal hmm. and it, it and it needed uh improvement and then they said you know used to cars would get 12 miles regular cars would get 12 miles to the gallon and as you would drive it um the gas tax is a use tax um and it it's right. used for a specific purpose mm-hmm. sure. but now if you get 40 miles to the gallon on some Priuses and more, and we're all—they're all getting better gas mileage. You're paying less and using more, and what that—but they're—they are lighter and not causing the same damage to the roads as well. I, I agree with that, um, and, and so, um, but even with that gap. We need to re- have the infrastructure so when these companies come and they want to do construction, we have quality bridges and roads. But here, here's my question, and this this was my one issue, mm-hmm. and and I and I'm not assassinating yeah. you, no, no, or putting you on the the grilling block. But it, my my issue was, why in the hell was it that half the money is going to dredge Mobile Bay? We're talking a waterway, yeah. I, I, and I this did, is a yeah. gas tax. And I mean, to me, if they would have just simply said, "We're going to raise, you know, gas tax ten percent, and every dollar is going into building roads and bridges," I might have gone for that. But more than half of it is going to dredge Mobile Bay. Is I didn't know it was half. But oh no, it's it's more than half. More, okay, um, and that's where you know we were talking about earlier uh, is the details. Is um, you know, yes, we probably needed more money for roads and bridges. Where do we spend that? And that's the important part: is where do we spend it? Sure. Now, I, I had the same question, and with uh, Mayor Strange. I asked him, I said, you know, uh, we shouldn't have used it for this. He said, hold on. Hyundai builds more cars and can use that lane, and it helps Montgomery and not just Mobile. Now, does it meet 50%? Maybe not. And, no. and, and, and really, I didn't think it was that high. I'll well, go back and look at and it. And it can also come down um, to the question of how you it was sold to the public initially. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I don't want to ruin the share of the I don't want to ruin the show, but that's that's where it ran off track is, and Todd Strange sat in this studio and said it to another host mm-hmm. on this station that oh we're going to get an extra million dollars or whatever it was. He says we're not going to spend that on roads. He says we're still going to spend two point 
$3 million on roads or whatever the city budget is. He said, we're going to use that money to help something else. Money is fungible. And so, it, that's right. It's a fungible product, and, and the money went into the general coffers, and it so I, yeah, and, and I don't the, like yeah. the the gas tax yeah. if it's not, and and people are scared of the word earmarked. Oh no, we can't have anything earmarked. Right. That's crooked. That's you know under the table. No, earmark the daggum money and say, hey, Montgomery County, we're giving you X mm-hmm. dollars. And it has to be spent on roads and bridges, you know, projects, roads yeah. and bridges. And especially if you're using a use tax, a, a use tax should be earmarked. And, and, exactly. And you know, and, and I, again, I didn't study where it all went. Generally, I I was for let's fund our roads and bridges. Now. The devil's in the detail, sure. and since I was practicing law and not looking into every well, detail, well, that's all uh, I'm looking to it, do. It, is but a those sense. are things. You know, one of the things that I heard that made a lot of sense is, and these are things that I care about, is um, low uh, low bids and the difference between, say, cement and, and blacktop on roads. And blacktop's always going to be cheaper in the initial. And then you have to uh, replace it more often. In the long run, it's going to be more expensive, and the cement, you know, things like that are th- reasonable things that I would like to get into in the details of this law. One, what you said is if it's a use tax, let's make it a use tax right. and let's put some restrictions on it. And then two, how's the money spent to get the most out of it? If we're really selling it for bridges, Let's use it for bridges. Let's build new bridges. Let's you know. Let, let's do things like that. Now another this made not only state news, national news, international news. I remember it was quite a, a heavy evening here in the studio, and I just presented what the bill did. But this was um, the bill to outlaw abortion uh, completely in the state of Alabama, and I'm not looking for you to go into all the the details of how that bill came to be but i'm I'm more looking for you watch the news you're already thinking about politics at that time when that was going on what was your your sense of what the state legislature did yeah um it's very difficult because anytime someone gets uh, an unwanted pregnancy it it, it's very emotional there's a lot of things going on but Mm -hmm. I used to not care, but, you know, we talked to, I was 27 when uh, my wife got pregnant with our first child, and I went to the first doctor's visit she ever went to, and I heard, ba-boom, 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 and you stop that heart beating, I will be all over you, and from that point on, it did not become a, when does life Begin. It didn't a pro life. It became a murder, hmm. and I, I am what I, I'll. You know, I'm a moderate. I'm a moderate on most things, except I think we should um, be pro life and have. And if somebody wants to murder another person, that should be taken serious. And you know, and I have a, a guy in my office that does adoptions, and they're looking for people to uh, people. People want to adopt children, and so through different um, avenues, you can 
have those and, and and it's tough and if you get if you talk you know being in the military i go uh, around the country and have people from all over and they're just all up in arms alabama this and alabama that but when it when it comes down to a life i want to protect that life right uh whether it's in the womb or outside the womb i want to protect that life so, but here's one thing that we, Clay and I, Southernwood and I, have had this conversation uh, on that issue, on the issue of abortion, but also on other, let's say, like guns. Um, I mean, we could be like, what's your opinion yeah. on the baiting bill? I mean, with hunting, whatever. But and this is more of a general <laughs> question at a general point. There are certain issues that are red meat to conservative Christian Alabama. And this often happens, and it happened right after the gas tax was passed, and the way it was passed... The next day. The next day, a lot of these shiny object red meat bills, some of them that didn't even have a chance in hell, I'll say it that way, of passing, but you know, we're doing our damnedest to put it out there to sort of piece the base. I mean, I, this is part of, I guess, the learning process if you do win on August 27th, but... Uh, do you have you seen what I'm talking about? What we've talked about that certain politicians will sort of mollify their supporters with these passionate, you know, emotional yeah. issues, yeah. but it doesn't really have much of a chance well, of changing. Let, let, let me tell Throw you the red meat out. Well, mm-hmm. let, let me tell you the one that we all hear is mayor candidate saying, "I'm going to fix education <laughs> and give um, uh, um, pay raises to teachers." I'm like. Okay, you can't yeah, right. do that. You can't I mean, do that as a mayor. I mean, you, you it's just not in your job description. But it, there are things, and I've talked to other candidates, and this is where it's weird getting into politics. Um, they're like, well, say this. And I'm like, I don't believe that. Say it anyway. It plays well. I'm like, um, that that's not... Um, we have something in law. It's called bad facts make bad laws. And the reasonableness and the calmness that you need to have in tough situations um, have bad law. I mean, you know, if you don't have that, you're going to write knee-jerk reaction laws. And um, is is there a way? Because I do not disagree. I, I have I have two sister-in-laws that are teachers in the state of Alabama. Is there a way that you can say? Okay, we're going to give teachers a raise. However, our education fund is $7.5 billion. It's going to remain $7.5 billion, but we're going to give the teachers a raise. However, we're not going to put any more money into it. Mm -hmm. We're going to find a way to get the raise, the 10% raise, 9% raise, 5 whatever you decide to do is there a way or have you even thought about a plan to get that money in there and say you're still getting 7.5 billion dollars in education which is like what 10 times the general fund is like 1.5 and make sure that and this is that ugly word again is earmarked that no only this increase is going to the teachers. We're going to give them a raise, and then everything else is going to stay the same. Maybe we don't need 10 people at the main office in every single county and every school system. 
Have you have uh, you well, thought about a plan? Can I object to his question <laughs> as being? Uh, oh, I know that's a big broad leading question. and broad, and uh, I think there's about eight questions in there. But I dig. I, I, I'm I, leading the witness there, counselor. But witness. no, um, there. Montgomery is is one where when the state took over, uh, they found that the, the they were top heavy. And I think that's the main thing that you need to focus on is, are we using our resources wisely? And and I I think being top-heavy, meaning there's more administrative uh, and, and, you know, more than there should be for that. So that's one thing that I would look at. Um, Oh, I would love to give teachers raises. Now, I haven't dug into the budget and to see where we can get it. Um, there are some benefit packages that we can uh, help, you know, as far as, you know, I think they're on for, uh, the third, um, I heard somebody say is the third package, the th- third incentive package for teachers. So they get their raises quicker. There's there's merit systems and, and um, where raises come. And, um, and then there's a... Um, a pension plan, how they get their pension. Uh, there's things like that that you can be creative on. That uh, teachers should should be paid more, but um, I, I'm not going to sit here and and do the should be at the cost yeah, of the general yeah, fund. And, yeah, and I'm not going to be here like a, a typical politician. Oh, there's every teacher's going to get a raise, um, but I, I, well, I, they, they, yeah. and, and they do. They, I mean, they do that every four years generally. Um, so, but here, we're almost out of time. We really only have like yeah. a minute, 20 seconds I've got left. another question. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to shut your big yapper, Southernwood. Come on, Joey. Uh, Michael Fritz is our guest, has been our guest this evening. Michael, folks want to help you out um, if folks are interested in voting for you. But maybe they're they're right on the bubble there. Why should they vote for you, and how can they help you? Yeah. For, first reason is why reasonableness and 20 years of serving this community uh one one person said you're the one who slipped into the runoff i said 20 years of serving this community is not slipping into anything uh slow and steady wins the race um the best place is is facebook facebook uh michael fritz for state house I might have that wrong, but you can. Anybody who knows how to use Facebook, uh, also uh, I get texts all the time three three four three hundred zero five nine eight. Text me, and we will get you plugged in. Um, but I, I really believe that my width of experience uh, and my uh, uh, track record of caring about this community is the number one reason that that people should vote for me. Well, absolutely. And, uh, Michael, I appreciate you uh, joining me. It's a, This isn't a normal type interview, is it? Uh, and, no, it's just no. a conversation. It's a really. conversation, yeah. yeah. I have to. I do have to watch uh, what I say to make sure that... Oh, we only just begun. I yeah. mean, oh, man. <laughs> Wait till <laughs> he turns the mics off. Yeah. <laughs> Those so thank you. Thank you for being better. here, Michael. Joey, thank you for having me. And thank you, Southernwood, for showing up. Hey, anytime, dude. We'll be back tomorrow night, folks. Sibling, sibling. (laughs) Joey Clark.